three on a Friday. I don't even know what we're doing anymore with this, the music. <laughs> this is just about the most ridiculous music Laddie could have found. It is ridiculous. This is Christmas music. What are you talking about? For all the musicians in the room, that meaning A-Dog and Bruff, what instrument is this? Uh, this is a... I don't know what it is. I have I no idea what this is. is. It might just be a keyboard imitating an instrument. Is this a trumpet with a plunger? Yeah, it might sound like a, a, mute. a some brass yeah. instrument. Yeah. I don't instantly I recognize it, though. Yeah, I think it's a trumpet with one of those... Uh, the mute. Mute in it? Mute yeah. in it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. No better radio than four guys sitting around guessing what instrument it is without really knowing. <laughs> it's a banger, though. I have to say that. Very, very ambitious use of uh, banger on this one. You this are is like what you hear in a terrible hotel lobby when your vacation's been rained out. Right, at Christmas. And you just want to murder your family. <laughs> okay. That took a turn. Oddly descriptive. <laughs> Not that that's ever happened to me before. <laughs> It did happen with my former family yeah. once. <laughs> You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show. So I had to move countries. Did I tell you about the, about the story? <laughs> you right. are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show. Forever how long we're going to survive that little bit. You are Especially listening to the Halford with and Andy. Bruff Show. Yeah. Uh, Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. AJ's from AJ's Pizza on East Broadway is going to join us in just a moment here. Hour two of this program is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintech.net. To the phone lines we go. He is the purveyor of fine pizza. He's the sponsor of Ask Us Anything Friday. It's AJ from AJ's Pizza on East Broadway, now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, AJ? What's going on? What do you say? What do you know? How do you do, gents? You sound like Tommy DeVito or Tommy DeVito's agent right now. It was very well <laughs> delivered. Can you tell us what the best story in sports right now is and why it's Tommy DeVito and his agent? I mean, it's Tommy Cutlets. It's <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, the guy the guy lives with his family. Yeah. That's, I mean, the best, I mean, that's one of the best parts of the whole thing. He really leaned into the Italian-American caricature there. Did you know guys like that in New York growing up? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i getting text messages. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure his mom drives him to practice <laughs> and picks him up. And if it's a good practice, like, they get ice cream. <laughs> hey, okay, so I want to switch quickly from football to baseball here because when we yeah, had yeah. you on last week, we yes. were still trying to figure out where Shohei Otani was going to sign. We were tracking flights, and we were following all of these fake rumors on the internet. Much has happened since then, AJ. A whole lot has happened. So Otani signs in Los Angeles. He ditches the Jays. Maybe then the Jays never had a chance to begin with. But the deal that he signed, this is kind of crazy. What did you make of this very unique deal that Otani signed with the Dodgers in Los Angeles? I mean, it's a sham. Yeah. It's a scam. I, I mean, I understand it's under the CBA agreement, but... Who would vote for that? Like, to be honest, like, who who would allow? It, it just makes no sense to me. So so all the small market teams get no luxury tax, mm. right? And then and then all these huge teams, I mean, I'm sadly, I'm assuming that's a Soto deal coming up, and, and it's just not good for baseball. I'm a baseball fan. I mean, I love the Yankees, but I'm a baseball fan, and I just don't get it. 
Um, okay, before we let you go, I do want to ask you about Monday. Now, we usually talk about Sundays, and it's happy hour all day at AJ's, but Monday because uh, whatever last hopes that the Seahawks have at the playoffs <laughs> might come to an end at home against Philadelphia on Monday Night Football. But I've never seen you this negative about the Seahawks. I know. Never. I know. Never. I know. Well, never. and I'm trying to put a, a, a positive spin Crazy, on this by man. saying you can still enjoy a Seahawks game by going to AJ's. So what do you guys got on Mondays? You can still, yeah, you can still enjoy it. We, 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 uh, we have two for... Uh, two for 14 pies on Monday. So buy one, get one free. And then, uh, and, and we're open at 10 a.m. tomorrow, right? NFL all weekend. Oh, beautiful. Nice. Okay. So if you want to go check them out, AJ's Pizza on East Broadway. AJ, thanks for doing this as always, but enjoy the weekend. Uh, we'll do this again next Friday. Thank you guys. Take care. Yeah. Thank you. That's uh, AJ from AJ's Pizza on East Broadway. Go get a slice of Brooklyn and Vancouver. Uh, AJ's Pizza on East Broadway. Authentic Brooklyn style pizza. You can dine in or uh, order online at AJ's.pizza. That's right. The internet has a pizza suffix now. Go check them out. So it's Ask Us Anything Friday. Uh, so please text in your Ask Us Anythings into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Butis in Vancouver, online at dunbarlumber.com. I want to talk about the third line that the Canucks have, and I'm going to read a few texts. Um, unsigned text. No, it's from Torgi. Garland is turning me into a fan. He's been like a dog on a bone every game for a few weeks now. Uh, unsigned signed text. Could Garland be the unsung hero so far? And here's an ask us anything. I like this one. Morrow from Burnaby. Was Daniel Sedin as good as Dakota Joshua is? <laughs> that is a play on the Reddit thread that was making the rounds. Um, I guess some younger Canucks fan went on to Reddit and said, was Luongo as good as Thatcher Demko was? It was more, you know, it was positioned like, for those of you that remember when Roberto Luongo played hockey. All the way back then. Yeah, the internet didn't even exist. There was no Reddit. There was Reddit. Um, So this third line, I think, has been a very, very important part of the Canucks. Whether it's been Teddy Bluger down the middle or Pew Suter down the middle, it was Teddy Bluger still on that line yesterday, even as Pew Suter returned. Um, I've been really impressed with all three of these players, and yet at the same time, they frustrated me at times, right? Like Garland's shot is frustrating. He's only got, what, a couple of goals on the season. Uh, Dakota Joshua sometimes not always the best hands, um, but like those guys, what's really important about that line is that is a momentum stopper. Like if the other team is rolling, they can get that line out there, and oftentimes they're going to play in the other team's end. They may not always score, although they did last night. They were the best line on the ice as far as I was concerned. Um, But it is just so important to have a bottom six that is solid like the Vancouver Canucks are right now. My biggest concern right right now with this team is Petey's line. Like I, I, I was actually thinking last night, like imagine if Petey was going. And Petey still isn't going. And I think um, if there is uh, an area of concern for me, it might be finding the right wingers for Elias Pettersson. And, and, some pe- and some people might say, some people might say, well, bump Garland up there. I'm like, no, I think he's in the perfect spot right now. Like they got something good going. So just keep it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, listen, we all remember the days of the Canucks bottom six getting absolutely caved in and oftentimes it was because 
Brandon Sutter or, you know, Louis Erickson or one of these guys would be out there in the bottom six and they'd get hard matched against the other team's top lines, right? Yeah. Like and Brandon Sutter, um, I know he got a lot of criticism in this market and he never really lived up to the player that Jim Benning thought he could be. And that is basically the new Ryan Kessler. Like he'd be the 2C. But he was a bottom six guy that got really hard matchups and didn't have very good offensive players around him. And it wasn't a very good offensive player. He was overpaid, too. But I think with... That didn't help. Yeah, it, no, it didn't help. But it, I, all I'm saying is that a lot of my optimism around the Canucks, like as much as we've been talking about the great seasons that Quinn Hughes has had and Brock Besser and Thatcher Demko, yeah, all of it is great for sure. But what I think has helped turn them into a more complete team is the fact that you look at look at their bottom six now, and you're like, these guys are getting the job done. They had Kuzmenko, Pew Suter, and Phil DiGiuseppe on a fourth line yesterday, yeah. and I like Kuzmenko scored, and not because of his line mates, because it was kind of a they were changing lines, and Garland was at the end of a long shift, and yet still worked his butt off in order to win a puck battle mm-hmm. and gets it to Kuzmenko, who's fresh coming off the bench, and Kuzmenko has the juice and the legs to you know swoop in, get around the St. Louis defense, and score a really nice goal. That's all the bottom six right there, you know, and it kind of, it lets for now, you know, it lets a guy like Pedersen who isn't, he's still off a little bit. I know some people will say he's not, you can't tell me he's not, like he's not on right now. He's not playing at the same level I'm sticking as with he my was earlier. What's your assessment? And they need better players to play with him. You know, even on the five on three, though, like he's just like he's not. Barkov's he's, got Reinhardt. Reinhardt's got Barkov. Okay. Well, right? PD, PD's, PD's got Mikheyev. Well, PD's Sam passing Lafferty. it into the skates on a five on three, right? Like he's just not. Because the guy couldn't handle the puck properly. Okay. I'm talking about the other team's skates. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't handle the puck properly either. Okay. So to your point, um, it's crazy the way that this has worked out. Because, I mean, in the moment, we're like, hey, that third line, boy, I tell you, it's pretty great. If you take a step back, you want to talk about just improbable developments through the first 30 games of the year. I always use this motif that if you had told me, but if you had told me going into the season that the third line was going to be spearheaded by one guy, Dakota Joshua, who was called out for being not in the best shape, <laughs> and Connor Garland, who had requested a trade on the eve of the regular season, I would have been like, nah, that's not going to work. <laughs> and you're going to throw them between Teddy Bluger? That's not going to work. And tell you another thing. If you told me that two guys, I like I like how you screwed that up. You're going to throw both those players between Teddy Bluger. What I do? <laughs> You're going to throw both those players between Teddy Bluger. Yeah, Teddy Bluger actually goes, goes between in the between them. <laughs> yeah, you get the idea. You get the gist of it. And then and you split them right in half. You put them in between. Now, how is this working? Yeah. Bluger's he's split in half. He doesn't look good. He doesn't feel good. The <laughs> other one, too, is if your bottom six was going to feature two highly paid wingers in Connor Garland and Andre Kuzmenko. And it works. Right now it works. Like that fourth line, probably not an, an ideal by anyone's stretch of the imagination. Right? You don't want Kuzmenko being deployed as a fourth line winger. You know, it's might it's, get some softer matchups, though. And you give yeah. him a, and you give him a, a center but it with, goes back with to what, offensive ability like Pew Suter and not Nils Amon. But maybe it, go, it works. But it goes back to what I said, right? Like there, I think when they signed him to a oh, an eleven million dollar contract, the idea was you're going to play with Pedersen, you're going to score thirty to forty goals, you're not going to be deployed as a fourth line winger. But whatever. Yeah. The key is right now it works, and sometimes things just click. We often talked about this when back as we make our hourly twenty eleven reference here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet six fifty. <laughs> 
Burroughs clicking with the Sedins. Like, no one would have expected it. Yeah. No one predicted it when Burroughs was plucked out of the ECHL. Hard to predict chemistry. Ball hockey phenom going yeah. between, you know, <laughs> as I say, going between the twins. Um, it just worked. This works right now. And I, I don't know. I think I mean, stylistically, when you see it play out on the ice, it makes sense. Because you're like, well, yeah, Garland kind of compliments what Joshua does, and Joshua kind of compliments what Bluger does, and Bluger mm-hmm. being split in half compliments both of them. Yeah, yeah. Like but, one, one leg is in one corner, the other leg is in the other corner, just just four checking away. But on paper, it doesn't make any sense. You're just like, it's such an odd fit, mm-hmm. right? And you would have said, well, I never would have expected Garland to be a thriving guy in the in the bottom six. If he was going to thrive, he'd need to be a top six winger. But lo and behold, it works, and the Canucks have 20 wins in their first 30 games of the season. Okay, we got to do our lock of the week. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, are we ready to do this, boys? Laddie, A-Dog, okay, let's go. The lock of the week is presented by PlayNow Sports. If you're betting on the NFL this weekend, visit playnow.com forward slash NFL 20 uh, If you enter the promo code NFL 20, you will redeem a $20 sports free bet. Conditions do apply. You must be 19 plus to play. And if you gamble, use, use your game sense. Jason's been the better of the two of us for this really forever but especially this I didn't season. hit mine last week though I no, didn't hit okay. mine last week you can't do it every week but mm. uh do it now what's your lock of the week okay I think I'm adopting the Cleveland Browns since we've kind of given up on the Seahawks Joe not Flacco. great fans Joe we're, not, we're not great fans uh the Browns are at home minus three over the Chicago Bears I don't even know if this is a smart bet because the Bears have been playing some half decent ball of late I think they're an improving team but I just love this Joe Flacco story so much. I I root for almost every old guy now. Every old guy that people are like, he's too old for the league. Well, I'm going to root for him. The Browns, if you actually want a good reason to do this, the Browns are also 6-1 and one at home, while the Bears are 2-5 and five on the road. The Browns also have Miles Garrett. Now, have you heard of this fellow? Because he's quite good defensively. American footballer Miles Garrett. Yes. And uh, I think the last time that Miles Garrett saw Justin Fields, he sacked him approximately 300 times in the game. It's so, a game for Miles Garrett. Uh, Miles Garrett, th- this Browns team is legit on defense, um, and I think if Joe Flacco can just manage his way on offense, the Browns are a really good team, certainly better than the Chicago Bears. So give me the Browns, minus three over the Bears. That's my lock of the week. Lock of the week. Lock of the week isn't just a gambling segment. It's also a chance for us to learn. They need to learn from our mistakes sometimes. So last week, I bet against the Bills versus the Chiefs. And I really, I should have won. That's what I learned first and foremost. If it wasn't for stupid Kadarius Tony and his offside, the Chiefs would have won. The ref should have warned him. I should have won. However, I did (laughs) see something from that Buffalo Bills team in that game. And it's that when put in a desperate situation with their backs against the wall, they actually played pretty well. They they are fighting for their playoff lives right now, and it's resulted in some pretty good football. Uh, here's another thing that I learned: Josh Allen uh, is really doing the business as of late. He's doing whatever it takes to win, and that means throwing for touchdowns and running for touchdowns. He has ten rushing touchdowns this year. Mm-hmm. In his last nine games, he has both a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown. It's like he's realized like sometimes I'm just gonna have to do it myself. I'm gonna yeah. have to throw the ball. I'm gonna have to run the ball. I might even have to catch it if I throw it. But anyway, he just puts his shoulder down and runs. Yeah. So this weekend, the Bills are at home. I got this one right. Uh, minus two at home against the Cowboys. 
I like the Bills here. They've now got a chance to right the wrongs of this very middling season. I like the way Josh Allen's playing football. I like the fact that this one is in Buffalo. Uh, Also, if you want to get crazy with it, this game is expected to have a ton of offense. Highest total on the board, 49.5 points this weekend. So my lock is going to be Bills to cover minus two and take the over on this one. That's my lock of the week. Lock. Good week. Uh, experience the thrill of every pass, every touchdown, and every win this NFL season with Play Now Sports. BC safe and secure betting site. You must be 19 plus to play, and if you gamble, use your game sense. It's Ask Us Anything Friday on the Halford and Bruff Show. This is a funny one in from Kevin on the Road. Ask Us Anything. Would the Oilers have won last night if Luongo had played for them right after his ceremony in Vancouver? Seriously, though, Skinner was terrible. Yeah, there's a good jumping off point to a couple of things that happened in the NHL last night. The Oilers win streak came to an end was it a seven to four loss to the tampa bay lightning Not to the tampa bay lightning they lost to steve stamkos four goals last night for oh, stammer good for him yeah. the lightning should keep that guy <laughs> should give him a contract can, yeah he can score a goal so it's good to see the oilers winning streak uh come to an end it's good to see oilers fans uh worrying about their goaltending again um the other really interesting game from last night in terms of like wildness um, I didn't watch this game, but I followed it on my phone and I was laughing and I'm like, oh my God, the Blue Jackets are up 2 nothing on the Leafs. Oh, 3 nothing. Oh, wait, wait a minute. 4 nothing. Well, the Blue Jackets are up 5 nothing in Toronto against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But you know what? I avoided the temptation to tweet about it and to laugh about the Leafs because I do not trust the Blue Jackets. And then I checked my phone again. I was out running errands. I checked my phone again, and it was Mm 5-3 for Columbus. And the way the NHL is right now, I'm like, there's five minutes left in the game. The Leafs are tying this. You know, a few years ago, um, when the average save percentage was like 9-15 or whatever it was, not long ago, you know, a 5 nothing lead, that was holding up. But now mm-hmm. you just see you just see the momentum in games roll. And the Leafs are good enough and the Blue Jackets are bad enough that, you know, once it starts, sometimes it's hard to stop. I know you've got audio of all yeah. the Leafs goals. I think we should play that because, you know, listen, as much as we hate the Leafs, don't worry. They lost in overtime, so they didn't win. Overall, it was a poor night for the Toronto Maple yeah, Leafs. But, oof, oof. Yeah, I mean, they've got the, they've got issues in goal right now with Joseph Wall being out, um, I don't know, for a while. Yeah. Um, it's Samsonov or, or Marty Jones for them. And Samsonov actually stayed in the game, so credit for him. He, he got the team to overtime. Yeah, sure did. Good for him. But uh, this is what can happen in the NHL now all within one period. There's Lickens maybe just enough to tip that wide. Now centering pass. They score. The, the comeback is on. The Maple Leafs are down 5-1. to one, And Willie Nylander has scored. Set up there by Austin Matthews. Tavares in. Got the pass in front of the goal. Scores! What a move between the legs from Mitch Marner. And don't look now. It's 5-2. Now to McCabe and the shot. Scores! What do you know? (laughs) You say something, the opposite will happen, right? Centering pass back to Nylander. Shooting and it's blocked. He gets a rebound. Far side, Matthew scores! 
looks for Tavares. Works to the half boards. Down into the corner for Marner. Marner back at the net. Wrap around. Oh, my goodness. Matthews had a great chance. Centering pass. They score. They score. Holy Mackinac. And Matthews has scored. The game is tied. The comeback complete. Tied at five. This is unbelievable. And then Toronto lost in overtime. <laughs> Kent Johnson scored the overtime winner, didn't he? Sure did. Three-point yeah. game for Kent Johnson. So Columbus, so the, the history last night, Columbus is the first team ever, ever in NHL history to win after surrendering a five-goal third period Oh, deficit. no, it's in. It came out so fast. And it was a bizarre game. You know, but the funny thing is, is you're like, this is the current NHL where no lead is safe except... Vancouver Canucks, who are now 17-0-0, taking a lead into the third period. Nobody locks it down better than Canucks, although they didn't lock it down that great last night. No one liked the third period, but oh, I, I thought they did lock it down pretty well. I know JT Miller well, didn't, like, didn't the, like it either. He yeah, said they were they, just flipping, flipping too many pucks. Just flipping too many pucks. Right, I guess, but like, did you ever feel that no, no, the no, Panthers no, no. were, you know, like... So So I hate to bring... Here's another 2011 reference, right? Oh. Um, when the Canucks lost that game 4 nothing to the Bruins... Look at the shot clock. The Canucks outshot them badly. Yeah, but they were and they were done. But they were done, yeah, and that's that the same. That's the same way I felt about last night when they took Bobrovsky out to start the third period. I felt like that was waving a white flag on the game. Like, okay, we're good here. Stolers yeah. is coming in. We're good. And the Canucks followed suit. They're like, if you guys just want to play running time, like no whistles, we can mm-hmm. do that. We'll but just... I'm glad they're not satisfied with it. That's no, awesome. no, no, no. I know, but Great. like I had, I had, well, I, I was I, satisfied. I'm easily satisfied with wins Four nothing wins. No, I know. That's the thing. I don't want to be those guys that are like coming in and being like, no house of negativity after a four nothing win. But I will say JT Miller mentioned it. Rick talk mentioned it, but Hey, when you, when you're trying to just get a game done, it doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to look good. If you've got a goalie that's rolling, which mm. Demko was last night, he played really well. Last and I night. think when you're winning, you can be really critical of yourselves. Yeah, that's you know, fine. like you can be hypercritical, and 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 that's okay. Uh, and that's where the Canucks are right now. They can afford to be picky about a four nothing win over the Florida Panthers. They're a pretty good team. Uh, Moj is joining us next. Always fun to chat with Moj on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And it's the Moj. I did not eat four burgers. Yes, it's the Moj. I don't want to go to Winnipeg. Nobody wants to go to Winnipeg. Yes, I love food. It's the Moj. I went online and kind of did a little surfing. Jamalaya. Yes, it's the Moach. Halford's fine, but, you know, Brock is just grumpy all the time. Moach, 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 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. It's Food Bank Friday here on the Halford Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Bob the Moach Marjanovic is going to join us in just a sec. Before we get to the Moj, I need to tell you about Food Bank Fridays. If you want to donate, visit them on the internet, foodbank.bc.ca. But here's a cool, slick new way, kids and their smartphones, to donate. Uh, Text an emoji to 30333. Not just any emoji. There's emojis that correspond with dollar amounts. For example, if you text a carrot emoji to 30333, that's a $5 donation. If you text a banana to 3033, 
That's a $10 donation. I mean, it's one banana, Michael. What could it cost? $10? $10 exactly, Mrs. Bluth. And if you uh, text a heart emoji to 30333, $25 goes towards the Greater Vancouver Food Bank. To the phone lines we go now. He joins us every Friday on this program. He's a presentation of the Clayton Public House. Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Moj? Good morning, gentlemen. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. I hate to start on a negative note, but have the Chargers fired Brandon Staley yet? Oh, my gosh. That was bad, right? I mean, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this last night. I know that this year with the Lions, they had a CFL record for, like, the biggest turnaround in terms of being blown out and then winning by a blowout. Um, I got to think that has to be the biggest turnaround in NFL history in terms of a team not scoring a single point (laughs) in a game and then in the following game just racking up 63 points. It was pretty wild. It was a nice it, bounce back by then, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's nuts. I mean, I, I mean, I've never really been a fan of Staley. I'm not a fan of some of his decision making. Clearly, um, the guy likes to gamble on fourth downs. If it works, it's great. If it doesn't, it doesn't look too good. And right now, the Buffalo, or pardon me, with the Chargers having a really long week until they take on the Buffalo Bills, uh, I, I don't know how they don't make a change because right now that team's basically dead in the water. 63-21 on primetime. I use primetime rather loosely there. But Thursday night football, that's what the Chargers went down to last night. Let's skip ahead all the way to Monday night football, Moj. Seahawks, Philly, the game is in Seattle. This is a must win for the Seahawks, is it not? Yeah, I mean, you look at the the odds. There's one website that has the Seahawks, I think, winning, getting into the playoffs right now at 27%. If they lose, they're down to 9 If they're up, If they win, they get up to 41 um, for me, I mean, I mean, clearly we all know it's a must win for the Seahawks, but the, the one thing I want to know about with the Seahawks, and maybe when you get Brady Henderson on, is what's going on with the secondary. It's just been absolutely porous right now. Right now there's a great piece in the Tacoma News Tribune by our old friend Greg Bell talking, uh, looking at Tariq Woolen's play and how it's declined in the second year. Um, it's just been, it's been a bad, bad stretch for the Seahawks, but conversely, they get a Philly team at the right time of the year. I mean, you got to catch teams sometimes when they're, they're going through little slumps and stuff. So for me, the Seahawks catching Philly at the right time. And the other thing, too, is when you look at this series, Seattle's won seven straight games against the Eagles. So for whatever reason, they match up well. But, man, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens at Lumen Field on Monday night. Moji got to wake up earlier because we had Brady on at 6.30 this morning and he said the exact same thing you were talking about and he was talking about how Pete Carroll had, you know, kind of, he didn't throw the players under the bus, but he named them and he said Jamal Adams made a mistake on a on a touchdown. Uh, and But he also said that uh, Reek Woolen made a mistake on a key play as well. So, and, and you know, and Diggs hasn't been great either. And between Adams and Diggs, that's a lot of money tied up in that area of the defense, and it is not getting it done. And I just wonder, you know, I know they missed Witherspoon in that game too, but I'm really wondering about the future of the Seahawks. Lots of people talking about Belichick being done in New England. I wonder if those conversations about Pete Carroll are going to happen in Seattle or are happening or, but I just, like, I don't even know who makes the decisions in, in Seattle anymore um, after the passing of Paul Allen? Well, you know, he, here's the thing. Um, the Seahawks right now, to me, they're almost caught 
in that what we used to call here the mushy middle, right? It's like they're not bad enough to get maybe, well, I mean, they did last year because of the, the trade through Denver, but um, they kind of hitched their wagon to Geno Smith. And so much of your success in the National Football League as a coach is married to your quarterback, right? Um, you, you look, you'll get all the great teams, all the great coaches. It's usually like the quarterback that's been the driver of that success. That's why when I look at a guy like Joe Gibbs in Washington who won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks, I just have a tremendous amount of admiration for. But, yeah, I mean, for me, when I look at the Seahawks team right now, it, it just seems like they're caught in that mushy middle, and it's going to take a while for this team to, to get back to where it is. And who knows if Pete Carroll's going to be part of it by that point. We're speaking to Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. You were there last night at Rogers Arena, Moj. What did you think of Luongo night? It was interesting. Um, there was quite a buzz in the press box. I'll use the word minimalist. How does that sound? Yeah, the ceremony. The like, thank God Luongo made that great speech. And in some ways, I think the simplicity of that speech in itself was great to see. Um, but what were people saying about the overall ceremony? They, they thought it was very minimal. I mean, some people and some people thought it was extremely odd that Kirk McLean was cranking the siren up. Like, you know, I don't know if you saw that on TV, but he was yeah. the guy that was cranking the siren up like whatever, 30 seconds after they finished the ceremony. So it was, I don't know, it just, it was kind of, it just, like I said, everybody in the press box was kind of like, is that it? I mean, he come, comes out there, you would think when the guy retires, that, you know, hey, here's a trip to Europe, whatever, a Rolex watch. I don't know. They gave him a jersey. Really? I well, Mo, you're a food guy. Uh, what about yeah. the, what about the notion that sometimes the best meals and the best food is the one that's prepared most simple and stripped uh, stripped down to its core, its well, essence. You're you're bang on with that. I know. Looking at Donnie Taylor, Donnie Taylor's tweet last night, um, he felt the same way, and there were others out there that kind of felt the same way. I think it, it probably could have had a little bit more pomp. I mean, maybe a couple more former teammates. Um, whatever the case may be. I mean, Corey Schneider in the Sedins, that was it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they flew in Elaine Vino or something, I don't know. It just seemed like it needed just for me a little bit more attention to detail, a little bit more pump. What did you think of the Canucks performance? Well, I, I mean, you look at this team right now, four game stretch, they played, you know, pretty well, obviously winning all those games. For me, like the big thing is they're just doing the simple things. And, you know, I talked about that. I threw that question to Rick Talk at post game. Um, you know, when they get in the zone and if a defenseman gets in a little bit of a trouble, they're just chipping it up the boards. They're not doing anything egregious in terms of, you know, firing the puck through the middle and, you know, creating scoring chances. Uh, they're just doing all the little things really well last uh, in the last couple of games. I mean, a couple of nights ago against Tampa, they got two goals basically on Philip Peronic just keeping the puck in the zone. One time he anticipated a ring around, kept the puck in the zone. They wind up scoring. Another time he wins a, a, a board battle along the walls right at the point, keeps the puck in the zone, and the next thing you know, they score. So just little things are adding up to big things for this team right now. And, you know, they're all buying into what Rick Tockett is selling. And, you know, last night, J.T. Miller's comments after the game, like, we're horrible, right? We need to be better. And, that is that is where the bar is now with Rick Tockett. It's not necessarily about the wins and the losses all the time, but just following the process, sticking to the so, so-called staples. And if you do, you're going to have success. 
We're speaking of Bob the Moj, Mark Marjanovic here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Moj is a presentation of the Clayton Public House. Pre-game to post-game, the Clayton Public House is your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors. Visit them online at theclaytonpub.com. Uh, you mentioned Rick Tockett there, Moj. You had a great interview with Tockett recently. You got a story coming out next week on practice regimens. Tell us more. Yeah, it's it was a great chat with Rick. It was more of a discussion than an interview. We we're just talking about practice, you know, theories and stuff. And here's a guy that I mean, you look at the coaches that he has had in his career. It's like a who's who. I mean, you go back all the way to junior Sault Saint Maria, Terry Crisp. He had you know Scotty Bowman. He's coach with Sullivan. I mean, he had Torts and Hitchcock as assistants in various stops. And it was interesting hearing him talk about practice and he is a junkie for this stuff he just loves talking about it and he was talking about the influence that he had from each of these coaches you know he's talking about scotty bowman attention to detail he talked about mike keenan and how he taught him about tempo right and there's just so many different aspects and then you know the the ability to read the team right and whether or not you are going to practice and then once they get on the ice you know the specialization that they have now i mean there were seven coaches on the ice the other day at practice and, and Rick loves that because, you know, he said he walked out and the twins are working with, you know, whoever like PDGs, you know, Adam Foote's working with one of the defensemen. He just loves all the specialization and attention that that players are getting now. And like he says, he goes, very rarely will a guy on this team go two or three days without having some sort of interaction and feedback with the coaches. And you know, then we also talked about the, you know, practice itself and, you know, that, balance that coaches have to have between tempo and teaching. So there's a whole bunch of really interesting stuff in, in talking to Tockett and how he runs the practice. So really looking forward to putting this piece together next week for Black Press. In fact, I think it actually might be two pieces. That's how much uh, material we got from Rick. That's good. You can stretch it over a couple of weeks. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. One conversation, hey, two articles. Hey, oh, boy. you guys know that as former yeah, writers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Just like I've been dining out on this for a while. Uh, exactly. Moja, i got to ask us anything for you. It's not food-related, um, but um, it came in for any of us, so I'm going to include you. Who's next into the Canucks Ring of Honor? So I'm going to read through all the names while you get a chance to um, think about this. Um, Kurtenbach is in there, Kirk McLean, Thomas Gradine, Harold Sneps, Pat Quinn is in there, Matthias Oland. Alex Burroughs went into the Ring of Honor in 2019, and of course, last night, Roberto Lolongo. So who should go in next? I mean, so you look back probably to 2011, right? Probably, yes. So I mean, you don't have that? to. I mean, Tony Tanti's not in there. A few people have suggested that yeah. he goes in. I mean, you, you would think if it was Tony Tanti, they would have done it by now. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um. I mean, who, who do you take off that 2011 team and put into the Ring of Honor? I that's would what? take. I would take Alex Edler. Yeah, uh, uh, that that's a safe bet, right? You know, probably Edler. I mean, one of the. I think he leads the the team or the franchise in you know a lot of defensive categories. Mm-hmm. Career, career-wise, so I would probably go with Edler. Like I just can't see Kessler. And again, it goes back to one of my criteria, and that's you know how you left the organization. I mean, like I said, for me, asking for a trade, eh. and it was interesting hearing Luongo talk about that yesterday. You know, kind of clarifying the fact that it was more of a mutual decision rather than him requesting a trade. Um, I know he responded to IMAX question regarding that. So, um, yeah, I would probably go with Edler. That's a safe bet. Hey, I got you and ask you every, anything. How okay. Yeah. Go for it. So 
uh, like, you know, you said, hey, you got to wake up earlier. I woke up the other day, and I don't know if it was A-Dog. I just, you know, groggy. It was like 620. You guys were talking about Luongo, and you were like, excuse me, can I talk? Can you let me talk? Was that A-Dog that was just, like, going off on you? No, no, that was Laddie. That was Laddie. Laddie, yeah. Yeah. He's uh, very come, passionate. Come on, Moj. You don't recognize my voice at this time? This point? Yeah. After all we've been <laughs> like through? Unacceptable. I was just, I just got up. I didn't know who it was. Like, I was literally, like, just rolling over. And all I heard was, like, just breath, like, trying to get a word in, man. That was, yeah. it was, it was good stuff. It was pretty passionate. Laddie was very passionate about that. And uh, we had a good argument, as many people have had about Luongo. Um, it was interesting. You, you mentioned that uh, that question that IMAC asked about um, the trade request. And I, and I wonder if there was like a miscommunication on that because I think Luongo was talking about the time that he nearly got traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And maybe IMAC was talking about the final trade request, like yeah. after the Heritage yeah. Classic. Like, because mm-hmm. like... I, is it are, are you a bit like me in that um, your memory of all the drama related to Roberto Luongo is kind of like you know like mushed up in your head like you can't you can't you can't put it into timelines I, I was I've been thinking a lot about this lately because I knew we were going to talk about Luongo and just even like remembering some of the stories I'm like oh yeah I forgot about that as well like there was a lot of stuff it was kind of a golden era for us to talk about Luongo and the Canucks as well. Well, I mean, you guys touched on it in, in your previous show where you talked about the fact probably Vancouver's most interesting athlete. And, and the piece that I put out for Black Press today, just talking about all the stuff that happened yesterday, man, he, he always, there's always some sort of storyline around Roberto Luongo, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it was never kind of like a dull day, so to speak. I mean, the fact that he was the first modern-day goaltender to be named captain of a team, you know, you, you look at the trade situation. You look at the dynamic between him and Tortorella. Um, you know, you obviously a narrative was his play in the Stanley Cup the playoffs, right? So there's just so many different storylines with Luongo, and I think you guys, I think you guys are bang on. I mean, probably the most interesting athlete to play in this city, and you're never short of a story with Roberto Luongo. I mean, hell, he, guy plays in the playoff game and he misses the first, what, minute and a half because he's <laughs> using the washroom. I mean, <laughs> it's like that. There's always, there was always a story, right? There was always a story. Thanks, Moach. Have a great weekend, Okay, pal. fellas, have a great weekend. Thanks, See you, buddy. Appreciate it, bud. That's Bob the Moj Marjanovic, presentation of the Clayton Public House here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. I hadn't really thought about that. The next three, I guess I was, I mean, I'm an in the moment guy. I guess I was too, too enamored with Roberto Luongo going into the ring of honor. I wasn't really looking ahead, but that's a really good question. Who's going to be the next one into the ring of honor? Because I guess Edler makes the most sense. We've had a couple of people talking about the reissuing of numbers because obviously number one was a problem yeah. because it was Luongo and McLean. Uh, and then someone pointed out like seeing Bluger fly around in his 53, Mentioning uh, Bo Horvath, like it did not take them long to reissue number twenty three after Edler left. Not that it matters in this context, but well, it's still actually jarring to see it when I when I see the fifty three out there. I'm like, I know, you know, like my mind immediately goes fifty three. That's Horvath's number. You know, the last captain, yeah, of the of the, of the Vancouver Canucks. And a quick reissue, like it's back in the rotation. You right? know, I, I think it just goes to show. What? I'm just kidding. Oh boy, just goes to show. <laughs> Wasn't a lot of respect for the last captain. Did you guys? I may have room. missed it when I was getting coffee. Did you guys ask Moj if he would have retired in Longo's jersey, or was he happy with? No, the we choice? were done with that argument. You're Thank not going to ask much. him that. Are you going to no. ask Dolly that question? No. 
No, we're not. Um, okay. I'm glad Moj liked our argument, though. That was cool. a lot of people did. Really, a lot of people did. I think, it, I, but because I think it just, I think it was great that you brought the outsider perspective. But my perspective was better. like, oh. I was like, well, better, better more accurate, better, definitely better. <laughs> but it was like more based in feelings. You know Get what I mean? Get out of your feelings, bro. Like, I'm always in my feelings. You know me. Feelings. You know, like I feel everything. Have you That's my pro- crying about it? That's actually my problem. I have too much empathy. Yeah. But I just remember. Yes, many people say this. <laughs> I just remember not. I just remember feeling very nervous about specifically Luongo in big games. And based on the response that I got into the text inbox and on social media, I definitely wasn't alone in that. And I think that's what makes the argument so compelling. Some people who look more statistically or analytically um, um, will be like, what what are you talking about? Like, look at the guy's overall numbers. There's a reason he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. And then, like me, I mean, saying in the most like, like, but my lived experience was different. Right. Well, right? I, I cheer know, for like, him as a as a fan too. You know, I watched the gold medal game. It was nervous. They were you nervous about him specifically? A little bit. Yeah, I, yeah. I can understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you got it. You got it done at the gold. I remember one of the funniest tweets was like James Myrtle might have been the only funny tweet he's ever made. Yeah, James is a buddy of mine. But you know how Jim Houston used to be like the great save Luongo. Um, Luongo early in a big game made, you know, kind of a weird save and Myrtle tweeted out awkward save Luongo. And I was like, yeah, that's just like perfect. You know, like in a big game, Louis, sometimes you, you, he'd make like a, like you just tell like, oh man, is he a little bit, is he a little bit yippy in there? Is he a little bit uncomfortable? And I think that all started in those Chicago, in those Chicago series, right? Like when Luongo first came in. There was such a confidence yeah, around him for it's the when first. The cracks started. It's happen. when the cracks started happening. Was in was in the Blackhawks series, and then they played them three years in a row. Now the Canucks finally got over the hump in 2011, but it wasn't without a ton of stress. And the fact that Corey Schneider was in there for one of those games. Uh, it is Ask Us Anything Friday here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Here's an Ask Us Anything unsigned, but it comes from the House of Negativity. That's right. They. Unsigned texters, unless you've been Gary. <laughs> Gary acknowledges that this comes from the house of negativity. I don't mean to be a stick in the mud, Gary writes. But how can a player the Canucks found so bad that they are paying him not to play for them is now on the number one power play unit on a team who, less than a year ago, played for the finals in the Stanley Cup? And he's got oh, like seven goals? Okay, so we're did talking about... OEL, did you see OEL uh, give up the puck on the forecheck that led to Dakota Joshua's first goal? A few things. Yeah, that's one of them. A few things here, Gary. One... Um, he is talking about Oliver Ekman Larson, another famous Swedish defenseman that wore number 23 for Vancouver. No longer with the team. Um, a few things to unpack on this one. One, uh, OEL, I think it was a nice little story at the beginning of the year when he got forced into an elevated role and him and another Canucks defenseman, Gustav Forsling, were carrying that blue line. Yeah. When Montour and Ekblad were out. Now everything, everything's kind of returned to normal. I think you saw some of that last night. Like OEL's back to being. Regular old OEL. Mm -hmm. He's not too fleet of foot. Um, Other interesting thing, a team that less than a year ago played in the finals for the Stanley Cup, I was really thoroughly unimpressed with Florida last night. I don't want to take anything away from what the Canucks did. Mm -hmm. Can I just talk about the the, the Panthers in a vacuum? Did did Kachuk play? Was he there? If Kachuk was doing what he was doing in a real hockey market where there were critical fans like in Vancouver, he would be getting killed. 
I mean, my man over here is, you know, what's wrong with Petey? What's wrong with Petey? He's only got like 40 points. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Key, uh, Matthew Kachuk has five goals this season. Like, if that was happening in Vancouver, people would be freaking out. And he looked like he had no he had a inter- couple chances, I guess. But he didn't look like he was all that interested in playing last night. There yeah. wasn't. And you know what? That's why he went to Florida. So he can take games off whenever he feels like but, it. But, well, he's taken off the first third of the season. So, But here's the thing. I think that Panthers team, if they're not playing with snarl or bite or a little bit of anger, they're kind of meh, right? Because they've got guys like Sam Bennett and Ryan Lomberg and Matthew Kachuk, and they, they can be very tough to play against when they're you know kind of up to no good. But what's Paul Maurice going to do? Rip them in the media that doesn't come and talk, exactly, talk to him after right? the game? Like, there's like, only a handful of things that he can do. Yeah, yeah we, right? we got to get Kachuk's dad on the phone again to rip them. That's what turned their season around last year. Seriously, though. Yeah. Like we have that, to remember where the Panthers were. Like who are the real Panthers? They barely made the playoffs. They last barely year. made the playoffs. The but Calgary they were really good in the playoffs. Yeah, the Calgary Flames had more points than them last season. But I remember watching the playoffs, and I'm like, this isn't like smoke and mirrors or magic. Like they, mm-hmm. they no, 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 no. They played hard, hard hockey. Well, yeah, they played hard hockey, but I think they were getting great goaltending performances, and I think Kachuk was just he just owned the big moments. They- Everyone against Boston. They beat some people up along the way. Like, I liked the way that they played. Mm-hmm. Like, Sam Bennett. Okay, here's the thing, though. Sam Bennett in the playoffs is more useful than Sam Bennett in the regular season, I think, the way that he plays. Yeah. Right? And they've got a few guys like that. But he was really good during the regular season as well. Last yeah, but he was, he was awesome in the playoffs. Like, mm-hmm. he was running around crushing guys, and Kachuk was scoring big goals left and right. Anyway, my, it was just because we hadn't asked us anything about the, uh, the team. Because Florida was a pretty important player in last night's pomp and circumstance, right? It's Luongo's new team. Yeah. It works for them. They just, to me, coming off a 4 nothing loss in Seattle, and then that's what, that's you, a good point. That's what you come up with is another 4 nothing loss. <laughs> They'll be like, but it's a better better team. I mean, it was, yeah. it was better. It was, you know, the Canucks are good, and we lost 4 nothing. So that's oh, improvement. And the Kraken are a wagon now because they absolutely murdered the Blackhawks. If you use wagon I know, stop one it. more time. we got to use it once a show. Are you? Do you think we're on spit and chicklets? Because we're not. Come on, man. They own Wag- that. No, they own no, 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 no. that. They started that. Wrong. Wrong. Wagon's been, around, wagon's been around for forever. Way yeah, before they, those guys started using They that. made it popular. They made it. Biz made it popular. I'm not going to say that the popularity of the word wagon originates from a hockey podcast. I will. From a hockey perspective. Was it like a football thing originally? I thought it was like a... Football thing. Well, I think it was like people used it to describe football teams. Well, it? maybe, but I, I don't know. Hockey's kind of co When I think of the word wagon, Ryan I think Whitney and Paul Bissonette started the trend. They didn't call it invent. No, I know. They didn't invent it. That's what I'm saying. Okay, fine. Keep using it. Well, I, I can use it when I want. I just don't fine. feel like use it. When you should the wrath. You know what? Tonight's Christmas dinner. It's canceled. It's going to be a I wagon. I don't want to hang out with you guys <laughs> This anymore. dinner is a wagon. I'm going to start yeah. using it improperly now. That car ride home? What a wagon. Speaking of wagons, Rick Tollywall <laughs> is going to join us next. Uh, we'll talk about last night's game. Um, we'll probably, uh, you know what? We'll probably talk about Ethan Bear again. Uh, hopefully soon we'll be able to stop talk, talking about Ethan Bear, but I think Ethan Bear was in the notes that Dolly sent me, so we'll talk about that. Um, you're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.